Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, how are y'all doing today? Good to see you. It's beautiful weather out there. Uh, been windy for a few days. I, I realize I'm in the minority, but I absolutely love that. Uh, I was so surprised. Like years ago, when I first came to Rocky Peak, I remember, I just one of the things I loved was the wind. And I remember one weekend just saying to everyone, isn't it awesome when it's windy like this? And I said, everyone's going, yeah. And like everyone's going, what? We hate the wind, right? Like how many of you would say, yeah, I really like the wind. I love the wind. Yeah, see, we are in the minority. We are the movers and blowers of life. And we are in the minority. One of my favorite memories of all my life was about two or three years ago when I was riding my motorcycle through a tornado in Kansas. And it was awesome. It was like, it was pelting down rain. I was going 80 miles an hour. I thought, I can outrun this. I know I can. And it was just like, it was just like, how, how fast can that weather front be going? 80? Yeah, I'm going 80. I should be able to just stay ahead until I almost ran out of gas and then I got stuck in it. But anyway, uh, it was Beautiful. So I, anyway, a minority, but I love the wind. Anyway, uh, it's good to see you here. Uh, my name is Mike, and I want to welcome you. If you're here for the very first time, uh, we're excited you're here. And we're going to go into our time of teaching right now, and we do this every week. So inside your program is a, a green and white message note sheet we use every week. So just kind of get in the routine. You want to pull that out. It'll definitely help you follow along. And so if you all are ready to go, I'm ready to go. You guys set? Oh, great. Let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here. We're excited what you're doing in our lives and our church. And, and we uh, are excited about this series and just how you're teaching us to make you the center of our life and then how that kind of radiates out into all these different areas where you've called us to live for you and put first things first. So we pray that today as we go in this time of teaching, I pray for great freedom as I teach. I pray for all of us so we would just have ears to hear what you want to say to us, what your Spirit's saying to us as a church and in our individual lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, today we are continuing the series we started a few weeks ago called The Simple Life, Putting First Things First. And so if you're brand new, a welcome to you. Uh, This series is really a series all about priorities. And so what we've been talking about is that we live in the midst of a culture that's moving faster and faster with each passing year, kind of 24-7. And in the midst of that busyness, it's often easy to lose sight of the things in life that are really, truly the most important. And so what we're doing in the series is we're going back to the basics, asking some very simple questions like, like as a follower of Jesus, uh, what should my top priorities in life be? And then secondly, uh, how am I doing in these areas? And then third, uh, if I'm not doing as well as I'd like, what can I do to uh, simplify my life so I really can put the first things first. And so if you've been here the last few weeks, you know we've been using this, this diagram. And so what we've seen is kind of a picture that, that uh, we want to put God at the center of our life. And what we've seen is that the, the first calling of a Christ follower is to pursue God. That our first calling is to, to, first priority is to make God a number one love in our life. So we want to know him, we want to please him, uh, we want to love him in all we do. Jesus said this is the top commandment, you know, love God with all your heart. So that's where we start. So we're going to put God at the center of our life, and then we're going to ask this one question in every area of our life, and this is how we make God uh, top priority, is we ask him, in this area of my life, what do you want me to do? It's as simple as that. And then we're kind of listening and following the direction of his spirit in our life. And so, so Jesus was asked, what's the two most important things in life? He said, love God, love people. We call it pursuing God, loving people. We've been talking about that. But as you break that down and you say, what does it look like to pursue God? What's it look like to love people? Uh, it, it becomes very clear that one of the, the, the ways we do this is through service, through living a life of service. 
And so what we call here at Rocky Peak, serving sacrificially. And so, um, so in the next three weeks, as we uh, continue towards the end of this series, during the next three weeks, we're going to be focused on three areas of priority that fall under this umbrella of serving sacrificially. How do we pursue God? How do we love people? By serving sacrificially. Three areas we're going to be looking at. Today, topic on the table is our work or our career. Uh, and then we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about our personal ministry. That as a follower of Jesus, we've been called to influence others in his kingdom. We've each been uniquely equipped. So what does it look like to pursue God and pursuing our personal ministry? And then finally, the last week of this subsection, we're going to be talking about serving sacrificially in the area of our finances. What does it look like to put God in the center of our life in terms of our finances? But today, topic on the table is our work or career. Now let me say this. As we get started, when I say work, work today, when I say career, I'm talking about your calling in your work or your career, either inside the home as a homemaker or outside the home. I won't stop every, in the marketplace, I won't stop every time and keep reminding you that, but I want to put neon lights today. When I say work, when I say career, I'm talking about your calling. For some of you, God has called you, your primary calling is to be at home, taking care of your family, and that is one of the highest callings in all of life, and so when I say work, career, hear it that way. I mean that for, the, for others of us. He's called us to be out in the marketplace, and so we will translate it that way. So here's what I want to do today. As we, as we dive in, uh, I want to do a couple things. I want to start with a couple big picture principles uh, about our, our work uh, and serving sacrifice in this area. Uh, and then I want to come back and ask four specific questions to help you evaluate how we're doing. So there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called The Simple Life, Serving Sacrificially, and we got two big picture principles, and I just want to throw those out. We're going to jump in, dive in, tackle those, and then come back and get very specific and very practical. So the first, the first principle goes like this, that, that as a follower of Jesus, all right, if you're a follower of Jesus, that what you do on the job, your work is important. It's extremely important. And, and this is where we need to begin because I think, frankly, as followers of Jesus, we often miss this. Like if I were to ask you, uh, what does it look like to pursue God and to love people in your life? I think that the answers that would come back is you would think, first of all, in terms of pursuing God, you would think of things in terms like, well, I need to be spending time with God, kind of developing my one-on-one -on -one relationship. I, I need to be find a good church where I can plug in and learn and grow and worship. Uh, I, I need to uh, find a small group I can be a part of, and so iron sharpening iron. I, I need to find a place of ministry where I can serve and help advance the kingdom. Uh, I, I need to serve in my finances. I, I need to be sharing Christ with others. If I were to ask you, what about loving people? You, would, you talk about, well, I need to, to love everyone around me, but especially my family, and then maybe those in a ministry that I lead, or maybe a, a soup kitchen, or anything like that. So, so when we think about our two top priorities, we're going to pursue God, and we are going to love people, we tend to think in these categories. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's certainly good categories. But what I'm suggesting today is that when we think of pursuing God, we think of loving people, chances are for most of us, we don't think of our jobs. Like we don't think of it that way as a way to pursue God or to love people. That often for us, that, that work is sort of off here on the side of our life. It's almost like our spiritual life is over here in our personal life, our family life. But we think of work as just kind of what we do to make a living. And we're not really sure where that fits into the life of a Christ follower. So here's what I want you to tell you, that for the follower of Jesus, your work plays a central core part of your calling as a follower of Jesus. So we want to unpack that today. Now to get at that, there's a couple statements I want to make, sub-statements there, kind of a couple bullets. 
And, and I want to talk about your work as a way to pursue God and your work as a way to love others, our top two colleagues. Does that make sense? You can follow? Okay, so, so here's what we know. The first statement is going to be a little bit weird. It's going to be a little bit strange. In fact, my wife told me she was here last night. She told me last night, well, that one took me by surprise. Didn't see that coming. So when you've been married to someone for 35 years and they've heard you teach for 35 years and sometimes see them coming, you know that it's probably, you're not going to see it coming either. But here's where we go, is that uh, work is a way to worship. Okay, work is a form of worship, if you like. It's a way to worship. It's a form of worship. And so I want to unpack this because probably you're saying, no, it's not. You don't know where I work, you know, that I flip burgers at In-N-Out. That is not worship. I'm saying, what are you talking about? It's a temple. I love In-N-Out. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, so, so let's, let's unpack that a little bit and let's talk about uh, uh, work as worship. And to do this, we need to step back and we need to see what the Bible says about our jobs, about work. And so when you do that, when you ask the Bible, what does it have to say about our work? The first thing it's going to tell you is that work is a good thing. That, that work is part of our core calling as human beings. It's the way we're designed. In fact, what you'll see is in the Bible that, that God is a worker and that we are designed in his image. And, and uh, finding a job and having a job and finding meaning in our job is one of the core things that makes us human. It's part of our, our core calling as human beings. And this is why, by the way, uh, this concept of retirement can be so damaging in our culture today because there's so many people, they, they've been connected, they've been part of a team, they've been working hard, they've had reason, they've had purpose, and all of a sudden one day it ends, you walk out that office door, you get out of the truck, you get off that forklift, whatever you do, and you go out and suddenly you're disconnected from your community, you're disconnected from purpose, there's, there's that, you're just like, okay, this sounds good for about two weeks, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it's like, I need some purpose in my life, I need some meaning meaning in my life. And so as human beings, we are designed to work. It's, it's part of our core calling to cooperate with God in the shaping of the universe and help running the universe as part of who we are. Now, catch this. Obviously, our work has been compromised, hasn't it? That work is not what it was intended to be. It was not intended to be mind-numbing. It was not intended to be back-breaking. And so when we rebelled against God as a race, work, like every other area of our life, took a fall. And it's why work is often so painful and frustrating today. But catch this, the solution is not to get out of work, but to re-envision work, what it was intended to be. So let me give you an example. If you think back in the book of Genesis, when God made first man, first woman, that he created a home for them, uh, it was a garden, and his first job on their job description was to tend the garden. Remember that? And it was before sin came in the world. It wasn't like you just sat back, drink a pina coladas, and little robots came along. I mean, they had a job to do, was to take care of the garden. And catch this, many people miss this, but their job was not just to tend the garden, their job was to subdue the earth, right? So their job was to go out and to take control of this globe and to create culture and to cultivate and to make a world for themselves. And so, so we were designed to co cooperate with God in a partnering of ruling the planet. We're, we're designed for work. Now, of course, when we rebelled against God, that work got compromised. But the solution, what I want you to catch, the solution is not uh, to get out of our work, but to re-envision our work. And so what we find is that properly seen in the Bible, our work actually becomes a form, a way of worship. And, and so I want to show you this. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Now, if you were here 
On the very first week of this series, we looked at Romans 12. We looked at verse 2. Today we're looking at verse 1. We looked at verse 2, and what we learned there is that God has a plan for our life. It's good, it's pleasing, it's perfect. But in order to experience it, we have to be transformed, and we have to be re- by the renewing of our mind. In other words, you need to see life from a whole different perspective. And this, what we're doing today is we're renewing our mind in terms of work. We're, we're changing our perspective in terms of work. And so in Romans 12, and verse, uh, and verse 1, uh, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. So let's stop there. If you've been reading through Romans, context is that we are the rebel race. We've rebelled against our king. The, the end result is that there's a, a price on each of our heads for treason against the king. There's a sentence of death. But in spite of our rebellion, instead of destroying us, God sent a great rescuer to enter into the race and to actually take the punishment that we deserve for our, our treason, to take that sentence of death. So Christ comes, he, he takes that sentence of death for us, and that now we can enter into this new relationship with God where we're no longer rebels. God is our Father. We've been restored through the death and resurrection of Christ. We receive the gift of his spirit who comes to change us from the inside out. And the next life, we will, the whole universe will be restored and we'll be part of that. That's the story of Romans. And so Paul steps in now in chapter 12 and he says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, like instead of destroying us, he has loved us so amazingly while we were his enemies. In view of God's mercy, his amazing love, I want you to offer your bodies as what? Let's say it again, offered as what? A living sacrifice. And so, in other words, in the Old Testament, the way you would worship God is you would bring sacrifices, grain, animals, or whatever, for different things, thanksgiving, for forgiveness of sin, for a variety of different reasons. You bring sacrifice. But in the New Testament, now that Jesus has come, he's the ultimate sacrifice. We don't bring sacrifices. The ultimate sacrifice has been made. But Paul says, so now as followers of Jesus, we bring our bodies. In other words, we bring our whole lives. We, we, we offer this. So we bring all the areas of our life. So we bring our family and we offer it to God as a, as a, as a, uh, as a sacrifice. Our rest and renewal, our finances, our, our whole life, we, we present to him. And look what he says as he goes on. He says, uh, this is, uh, you offer it holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of what? Worship. Worship. Okay, so catch that. Well, Paul is saying, you're a follower of Jesus now. And so our whole lives... Are to, be a, uh, are to live a lifestyle of worship. See, everything we do. That, that we live our life for one reason alone, and that's to please God. That's, that's the driving, we're gonna please him, we're gonna put him in the center. And so in every area of our life, we're saying, God, what do you want me to do in my ministry? What do you want me to do in my family? What do you want me to do? Everyone, what do you want me to do in my family? And so as we ask that question, and as we live for him, uh, what happens is that our very life becomes an act of worship. Does that make sense? This is very important we catch this. It's so important because often we think of worship as what happens here on the weekend service. That is just a small part of worship. Worship for the Christ follower is a lifestyle. And what happens is I bring all of my life and I live for his purposes and his glory and his name. It becomes all of my life becomes an act of worship. And so then what happens when we come here on weekend is, is now we come together and we celebrate him and with our, our voice and that becomes worship. But it's empowered because of what's happened during the week. 
In fact, let me just do a quick little sidebar here. Let's take two churches, right? So you have one church and you walk in and there's a powerful sense of worship. That when you walk into that church, you sense the presence of God. God is there. Uh, you, you sense uh, the people are actually engaging with God. And it's just a very powerful sense of worship. That when that's true, when there's true worship like that happening in a church, I can guarantee you something. I can guarantee you that those people in that church, for the most part, are living out a life of surrender and service to Jesus all week long. Okay? Because that's the heart of worship. You take another church, you go in and you say, hey, there's just no sense of worship, no sense of the presence of God. The reason why is because these people haven't been living lives of surrender. And so catch this, when we come to church and we have not been living all week long as an act of sacrifice to him, then our words become a mockery to God, don't they? Because now we're saying, God, you're amazing, I love you, I want to follow you, and it's a lie. It's a sham. It's the equivalent of a man taking his wife out for a romantic dinner, but having an affair on the side. Like, I just want to take you out and show you how much I love you and how amazing you are and, and how much you're the number one person in my life. And so, but all week long, he's been having an affair. So how does she feel about that? Does she say, thank you for this amazing dinner? Like, if she finds out, like, this is great. This really makes up for the affair. This is awesome. No, she says, are you crazy? She's gonna take the roses and throw them in his face, right? She's gonna beat him over the head. She's gonna do something violent uh, because she wants him to get it. You can't buy me off. And so, so we can't come to worship on weekends and connect with God in worship if our lives are, are, are being hypocritical. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and so we have to live a lifestyle of worship. And what Paul's saying is that when you become a follower of Jesus, you're gonna live your whole, he says, I urge you, brothers. I, I just challenge you now that you're gonna, your whole life is gonna be an act of sacrifice. You're gonna say, what, how can I please you? And every area, he says, and when you do that, then your whole life becomes an act of worship. Now, here's what I want you to catch. This is true in every area of our life, but I think it's especially true in our career. And the reason why is because uh, our careers, uh, our work, this is where we spend most of our time, isn't it? Right, this is where we spend most of our time, our energy is on the job, some of our best hours of our life. So catch this, if we don't see work uh, as kind of a part of our core calling as a Christ follower, we've just kind of cut Jesus out of a major part of our life, haven't we? See, and so, so what Paul says is that, well, I want you to present all of your life, we're gonna present our work to God and catch this, I don't care what you do, how menial it is, how high it is on, on the ladder, I don't care what you do, that when you do your work as to the Lord, it becomes an act of worship and he receives it as such. And so I, I, want you, I want you to see this. Um, a great example is there in your note sheet, Colossians chapter three. You know, in the early church, there were a lot of slaves. And the reason was there was a lot of slaves in the Roman Empire. In fact, some historians believe that there was as many as 70% of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves, huge slave population. And so many of the first Christ followers were slaves and they're wondering, how do I put God in the center of my life? I'm a slave. Like, I don't have any rights, I don't have any freedom, I don't have any autonomy, how can I really serve Jesus? And so Paul's telling him, here's what you do if you're a slave. Now, now catch this, you may hate your job, I'm not asking for a show of hands. <laughs> you may hate your job, 
today. Some, some of you probably love your job, but some of you may hate your job, but my guess is no matter how low, no matter how low paying, no, uh, no, no matter how bad a boss or how bad of employees or how bad of coworkers, my guess is that none of you here would change your job for the job of a slave. Right? Like them. So what I'm saying is that he's talking to slaves. What I want you to catch, this is like the worst job in the world. So I don't want you to, I don't want to hear like, yeah, but Mike, you don't know what I do. Right? Because unless you're a slave, you're a step up here. So here we go. So, uh, so he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in what? In everything, okay? He says, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor. So again, no show of hands. Do any of you have people that you work with, this is exactly how they work. It's like when the boss is there, they, I mean, they are on it. Boss leaves, they're, they're on it. He says, don't be that person. Uh, he says, but do it with sincerity of heart. You're going to do it with genuine uh, heart of service. And he says, and do it for, with reverence uh, for the Lord. And so whatever you do, whether, you know, in the slaves in the Roman Empire, very big despair. You could be out working in a stone quarry, uh, kind of knocking out rock, or you could be like managing an estate. In the Roman Empire, slaves had a wide variety of, of gifts or callings. But he says, uh, whatever you do, uh, work at it with what? Let's well, say it again. With what? All your heart. We're going to give it our best. We're going to do our best. Uh, as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. He will pay you personally. And he says, it is, it is whom? It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you see what Paul says? When you come to Jesus, that your whole life comes under his leadership and where you are working is no accident. He knows exactly where you drive the car when you go to work. He knows exactly where you're working and what he wants you to catch as a follower of Jesus, there is always a boss above your boss. Are you with me? And that boss is who? It's Jesus, right? And so basically what he's saying is, is as a follower of Jesus, you need to see your job as if you're working for Jesus himself, because you are. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. He will pay you. He's, he's keeping track of how you're doing. He's reviewing your work. You're getting a grade on your work. He's saying, yeah, good job, way to go, or hey, not so good here. And so uh, God is reviewing that. And so uh, I want you to catch this. So when we see work from his proper, proper perspective, it, work is important because as we work as unto the Lord, our work becomes an act of worship. You see? Okay, so, so there we go. So the first thing, your work is important. Why? Because it's a way of worship. Secondly, though, second sub-point is that your work is an act of love. Now remember, let's set this up. Jesus said top two priorities, pursue God, love people. That's top two things. What I'm saying is that our work is a primary way that we pursue God and love people. So let's talk about this loving people thing. Chances are you've probably never thought of your work like this. But if you stop and think about it, your work, by definition, is, is a way of providing a useful good or service, goods or service, to, to someone who needs it. Now, uh, that, that's not always true. Uh, if you're in an industry, if you're in a job that is kind of ripping people off by nature, okay, that's what it is. If you're in a job that's tearing people down, that's destroying, that's doing something evil, then, then chances are you need to get out of that job probably, right? Because, because one of our colleagues is love our neighbor as ourself. And so if what you do for a living, uh, you're working for the mafia, probably need to step out of that, 
right? But having said that, for most of us here, we work in an industry, we have a job that provides useful goods or services. And, and so we've never really thought about, but I want you to get, this is how God has wired the world, right? This is how he's wired the world, that he would meet our needs through one another. So if you're a contractor, right, you are loving people by building homes and office buildings that last and serve them well. Like if your job is to, you, you got trained in cosmetology and you're cutting hair, thank God for you. Think what we would look like in this room without you. You're providing use for service. If you're a serving coffee, you're a barista at Starbucks, praise God for you. It's like one of your great gifts to mankind. Uh, if you are a plumber fixing our pipes, can you imagine a world without pipes? You know, uh, if you're a fireman, you're protecting our homes and our hills from fire. If you're a policeman, you're guarding our streets and creating a safe. If you're a checkout clerk at Target, you're leading the fight against Walmart or whatever. So I don't know, uh, but uh, all of us, and no slam on Walmart, just first thing that came to my mind, uh, you're fighting the target against Nordstrom. But uh, uh, do you see what I'm saying? We don't think of it like this. We think I'm going to a job to, um, to support my family. Yes, you are. But, but what you need to understand is you're doing something useful. And whether your customer is outside or you're serving people inside your organization, you're an IT person, what you're doing is, is you're, you're serving people well. And once we see this, then our work becomes not only an act of worship vertically to God, it becomes an act of love horizontally to, to one another. And so we want to, uh, to, to do things well. So, so our work is important. Our work is important because it's the way you were designed to, to operate. It's part of your core, core identity. It, it's a form of worship when offered to God, and it's a way to love the world a, around you, okay? And so, so our work is important. Second thing I want you to catch is that work is where we grow. Now, I mean this in a couple different ways. First of all, I would hope that for you, you are always growing on the job. You're always getting get inside the home, outside. You're always getting better, because as a follower of Jesus, if you're working hard, if you're going with all your heart, you should be getting better at what you do. If you put roofs on houses, I would hope you're better at that than you were five years ago. You know, if you're a checkout person at Costco, I hope that you're better than that. We should all be growing uh, in, in the position we're at. But that's not really what I'm talking about. That's kind of a sidebar here. The, the main thing I'm talking about is that if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the top places where Jesus is gonna grow you to be like him is on the job. And I want you to catch this because we often don't think of this. But we know this. We talk about here at Rocky Peak a lot, but the top calling of a Christ follower is to become like Jesus. That's the end game. We're gonna become like Jesus like student like the teacher, right? But what we often miss is as followers of Jesus, one of God's greatest laboratories for growth is your job. You stop and think about this. Your job is where you're gonna spend most of your time, most of your energy, you're gonna face some of your biggest challenges in life where you need God's help. It's one of the greatest laboratories for character formation. It's on the job where God is gonna teach you how to trust him right? It's on the job that, that God is going to teach you how to love people, especially hard to love people. Amen? Amen? Amen. Do you have any people that's hard to love where you work? 
It's, it's on your job that God's going to teach you how to forgive people. It's on your job he's going to teach you how to humble yourself and submit to others. It's on the job he's going to teach you the character quality of perseverance. It's on the job that he's going to teach you uh, how to do conflict the right way. It's on the job he's going to teach you how to use your words to build people up and, and not tear them down. It's on the job he's going, to, he's going to challenge you to be positive and not be a complainer. Are you with me in this? That our jobs are one of the primary places as followers of Jesus, he grows us. And so once we realize that, it changes our whole perspective, doesn't it? It's like, wow, you know, think, think in, the, in the Bible. It was on the job that God prepared Joseph for his future calling working for Potiphar, uh, working for the warden in prison. It was on the job that, that God trained Daniel, you know, working for this, this dictator, merciless king who throws people in fiery furnaces, right? But it was on the job where Daniel learned to humble himself and that there was a God over this king and that, that this king was a puppet in his hands and, and God shaped his life. It was there that Daniel took, took his stand for God and he got thrown in the lion's head right, for, taking a for doing the right thing on the job. Right? So, so this is what happens. They, this is one of the primary laboratories for, for growth. And so, so once we get this, once we get this, here's, here's let's kind of sum it up, that as a, Christ, as a follower of Jesus, one of the most important places to make God the center of your life is in your career. It is a place where you're going to pursue God through an acts of worship. It's a place you're going to love other people through service. And it's a place where you're going to, going to grow. Okay? So now we've laid the foundation for what work is in the life of a Christ follower. Now let's jump in and do some evaluation and see how we're doing. So there in your note sheet is a, is a, uh, uh, is a question, a uh, series of questions, a simple life, uh, four simple questions. You know, before we go on, I was just thinking, I was just talking with a man uh, in our congregation. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and, and a couple weeks ago we were talking and he's just going through such a difficult time in his life right now. He, he has a very high-level uh, management job in a company. In fact, there's only one person above him that's the president of the company, and then there's the chairman of the board. And the president is an extremely difficult person, very high-control person, but he's been there like for 20-some years. The, the company's always been profitable, so, so he's, he's never going to get asked to leave that job as long as the company's profitable. But very difficult guy. The guy is a control freak. Have you ever worked with anyone? Like that? Yeah, if you're on staff here, don't raise your hand. Uh, uh, I see that head, but it's not a good thing. Uh, uh, so, so he's like this, and, and what I mean by that is this guy just loves, he just loves to control things just for the sake of controlling them. So, so he loves to micromanage or mess with your world just because he wants to remind you that he has the power to mess up your life anytime he wants. He's just that kind of guy. And, and so this, this friend of mine was sharing with me, it's just been such a, a tough, uh, stressful time. And, and he, he said that, you know, the other night he came home from work and he was just so stressed out. He actually had pain in his chest. And so, but what, what happened? It drove him to God. And so, so he went into his back room and he spent a long time with God and he just processed this whole work situation. He opened up the word, he asked God to speak. He, he, got, he found himself in 1 Peter. It was there in 1 Peter that God began just to speak to his heart in a powerful way. He came out so encouraged. He wouldn't share what God had showed him with his wife. His wife is an amazing woman. She gets very excited when he's growing spiritually. So she has spoken to his life. I know this is tough, but I'm just so glad the way God's teaching you and the way you're responding. It was a, a new bonding in their marriage 
marriage. It took place through that. Next morning, I happened to see him. We were, we were meeting together. Uh, we had some prayer together. In that prayer, God showed up in a very supernatural way that really affirmed that God was with him and, and really uh, speaking to his heart. And, and so, so you just see how God's orchestrating this in his life. And so one of the things I share with him is I said, hey, just never forget this. And because we always forget it. Just never forget this, that, that I know it just seems like a job and it's a tough thing and a tough boss. But remember this, that God is in all this, right? He, he's in, as much as he was with Potiphar over Joseph or the warden, like he is in all this. And this is the primary place, one of the primary places in your life God is gonna shape you. And just think of what you're, te- what you're learning how to submit right now. And, and the humility is very, and look, look at the perseverance that you're learning hanging in there. And look how it's driving you to God and, and how God's meeting you in the midst of that. And you're experiencing God's presence in your life. Look what he's doing in your, your marriage. And so this is the way it is. Our work is a place of primary growth. And so we need a whole new perspective on that, okay? So, so having set it up now, let's, let's ask those four questions. The simple life, four simple questions. The first question is very easy. Do you need a new perspective? Do you need a new perspective? And that's kind of why, why I started where I did today is that I think for most of us, we need to be reminded of these things. If you've never heard them, we, we need a total perspective change that your work is not by accident. Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yes, it's fallen. Yes, it's hard. But it's on the job God shapes us. It's on the, the job that it becomes a, an act of worship. It becomes a, a way of loving others. And so uh, do you need a new perspective? And my guess was in, in a congregation like this today, there's probably many of us here that, that even as I'm, I'm talking, like God's just speaking to you. And you're probably just convicted out of your head right now. Because it's like, like, wow, you know, I've just really forgotten this. And I've fallen into a pattern of gossip or slander or complaining. Or I haven't worked harder. I've said because my boss is a lousy boss that I'm not going to work hard for this person. Or whatever the thing is. And so, so part of recapturing God's vision for our life is to be re-envisioned. Of what is the role of work? And what's the high calling of that? And offering his worship. And so do you need a new perspective? Now, number two. Two, the second question is, are you working for Christ? We saw today that in Colossians, we're told that ultimately that, that when we go to the job, whether you're, you're driving, a, 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 you're driving a, a big rig, you're writing contracts as an attorney, you're putting on new roofs, you're fixing plumbing, you're cutting it, that you're, you're serving coffee, and stuff, that when you go to the job, your ultimate boss is Jesus himself. Very clear. And so because of that, we want to work with a great attitude. We want to, to, to work hard. We want to do our best. We want to be a super team player, have a great attitude. And so the question is that on your job right now, as you go in tonight or tomorrow or Monday, the next time, you, that are you working for Jesus? Let me put it a different way. With those who know you best, your boss, co-workers, or employees, would those who know you best, would they say that absolutely, man, this person, they are a hard worker, they take initiative, they're quick to move towards responsibility, they take ownership, they serve with excellence, they have a great attitude, they're a super team player. Is that what they would say? Or would they say something like this, are you kidding me? Like, like this person, like they are lazy. They are the last one there, the first to leave. Anytime there's extra work to be done, they're ducking in the bathroom. There's like diving for cover. 
Uh, no one wants to be on their team because they're so negative. Their reputation is gossip and slander. If you want to know the dirt on anyone, go ask them. Uh, like, which would your reputation be? Uh, this last summer, uh, we took our whole staff. Every, every year in August, there's just this awesome, it's called a Leadership Summit. It's put on by Willow Creek Associates Association. Uh, it's an international event where they, they bring in kind of top leadership speakers in all different fields, some believers, some not. And uh, it's just this amazing event. And they, they, they you know, telecast it, kind of video presentations, like video venues uh, around the world. And uh, it's a top event. If you ever get a chance to go, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, it's interesting, one of my favorite business magazines is called Fast Company. It's absolutely love that magazine. And, and in that, uh, they wrote an article last year on the Leadership Summit. And they said, like, it, I don't care if you're a Christian, not a Christian, whatever, just, like, give that, just go to this thing. It's one of the best deals in the market for leadership development out there. It's a two-day seminar. And so we, we took our whole staff. It was kind of local here. It was at a local uh, church in the area. So we, we, we took our whole staff. And uh, the opening session of that, Bill Hybels is speaking, Bill, the pastor of Willow Creek, big church back in Chicago, and, and he's speaking on this topic of work, and he said, you know what? He said, the reality is that you have three kinds of people in your organization. And he said, so like, if you're sitting here right now, you're listening to me, and he says, you get a text on your phone, or you get a, uh, an email on your smartphone that, that says, so-and-so resigned. He said, how would you respond? You know, so you're sitting in the meeting right here while Bill's speaking, and you just get, hey, so-and-so just resigned. How would you respond? He said, you know, there's basically three responses. The first response is, awesome. <laughs> that person is such a loser, man. I've been wondering how we're going to get rid of them. They've got the worst attitude, and they don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is horrible, and, and we've been, we knew we were going to have to deal with it. This is fantastic. Like, we don't have to fire them now. We don't have to go through it. This is great. You know, praise God. They're gone, you know. So that's first, first kind of person, all right? Uh, you don't want to be that person, by the way. Just put it out. Okay, number two, uh, the second kind of person is you're, you're genuinely disappointed. Like, like this is a person, they're a good worker, maybe not great all the time, but they're a good worker, solid worker, uh, work hard, uh, they actually, they, they contribute, they have a good, good attitude, they're a definite contributor. He said, so that's the second kind of person. He said, then the third kind of person, he says, honestly, when you get the email, your stomach just turns because you just cannot imagine going forward without that person. Like, they, they are so gifted, they, they have such a great work ethic, they are such a great team player, such a fantastic attitude. He said, like, in a human sense, you can't really imagine going on, like, where you would ever replace them. Okay, so here's the question. Which of those three people are you? If I were to come to your job, your place of work, your home, and ask those who know you best, is this person... Person one, person two, or person three, what would those who know you best say? And see, what, what the Colossians is saying is we need to be people number three. We, we need to be that people that is like, we definitely don't want to lose that person from the team. They are amazing in what they bring to the table. Now, number three. The third question is, is your work a witness now, I want to talk about this. Uh, as your work of witness, what, you know, as followers of Jesus, one of our, our core colleagues in life is to be a witness for Jesus, to help others take the next step in their spiritual journey towards Christ. 
And so here at Rocky Peak, for example, we have a vision. Our vision is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And we define a passionate Christ follower as someone who is pursuing God, number one, right? They're loving others, as Jesus said, top two priorities. They're serving sacrificially. That's what we're talking about right now in this series. And then they're sharing Christ. In other words, they realize that they're, they're a representative of Jesus wherever they go. And, and they take that seriously. They're, they're always looking for ways to try to help people take the next step in their spiritual journey. Now, I think when we think about sharing Christ, that the first thing that often comes to our minds is our words, what we say to influence through our words. And there's no question that our words are extremely important. But what I'd suggest to you, what is more important than our words is our lives. Or you might say it in, this, in our works. Um, that, that when it comes to sharing Christ and making an impact, think of it like a sculptor who has a chisel and a mallet or a big hammer. And so both are important. If you're going to shape the marble into a statue, both are important. You need the chisel and you need the mount because the chisel by itself doesn't have the weight to make any real lasting difference in, in the marble. And, and so, but the mallet by itself can do no, no neural shaping. And so you need the chisel and you need the mallet, right? And so, so here's what I'm saying. Our words are the chisel. Our life is the hammer. And it's the weight of our life that gives our words the power to shape other lives. Does that make sense? Okay, now here's what I'd say. That's true in all of life, but on the job, because stop and think about it, one of the greatest opportunities for you to share Christ, and I'm not just talking verbally, but one of the greatest opportunities for you to share Jesus is on the job. Because that's where you spend your time and that's where you rub shoulders with non-believers the most, right? And so what I'm saying is that if you're gonna be effective for Christ on the job, that it's your life that has to be carry the weight so that your words can shape lives. And so that starts with just the way you work. Like, are you that person that's a great team player, that's positive, that's quick to jump in, humble, doesn't take credit for things, uh, not, not looking, don't big ego. You're just there to serve. You're there to help. You're doing a great job. You're out of the box. You're growing. Is that who you are? If so, uh, guess what? That gives tremendous influence. Just that in itself, just being a great worker gives huge, huge impact to your life and words. And can I tell you, here's how it works is that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're just pursuing him, you're loving God, you're loving others, you're doing a good job on the job, you know what happens is that there's people around you that sooner or later, they're gonna ask you. They're gonna ask you, hey, you don't have to be, you don't have to be pushy. They're just gonna ask you. You always go to church, like, why do you do that? Or this small group that you're in, like, what, what happens there? Or I know you're really religious, so what do you think about this? Or there's gonna be something that comes up, and, and if God is storing in their heart, if the Holy Spirit, there's gonna come a day where, where they're gonna say, hey, I've been thinking about maybe getting back to, could, could I go with you to, to your church, right? Or, or there's gonna come a day where like on Easter uh, this year, the message is gonna be called, this changes everything. And that's gonna be, and so there's come a day where we're gonna have invite card and you're gonna say hey I don't know if you ever be interested but if you have a church go but on Easter if you'd like to come with me and because of the impact of your life over time they're gonna say yes they're gonna come the opposite is also true 
that if you are lazy on the job, if you have the rep for being the gossip, if you are slander, or if you are quick to shirk responsibilities, if you come late and leave, or if that's you, guess what? The best thing you could do to advance the cause of Jesus is don't let anyone know (laughs) that you're a Christian. That would be a huge step in the right direction. Or take, tell them you're something else. <laughs> tell them you're something else. Tell them like, oh yeah, I'm Baha'i. You know, the cause of Jesus just went right up. It's just like, you, you see what I'm saying? Because our lives has such an impact that when we're living a life that's a lie, it compromises. Men and women, do you, do you understand this? That many of you, it took you so long to come to Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of people who call themselves Christians. Isn't that true? That, that, that you knew, it's like when God began to stir in your heart and create a hunger for God, you know what? You went the opposite direction of Jesus. And it wasn't because of Jesus, it was because of the Christians you knew. And you're like, there's gotta be a God out there, there's gotta be something more in life, I need to search this out, it can't be Christianity, because I see what Je- uh, Jesus does with these people, you know? It's like, so it's got, so I'm gonna go New Age, I'm gonna go Hinduism, I'm gonna go Baha'i, I'm gonna go positive confession, I'm gonna go, da-da-da. and at the very last, you come back and you say, well, maybe Jesus, I'll just check him out, right? Because we've repelled them away. We've, we've repelled them away. And so, so if you're a follower of Jesus, just living the life, it's, it's powerful. It is the hammer. And that starts on the job. In fact, there in your note sheet, there's a great verse from 1 Thessalonians 4 where the apostle Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And then he tells us what he means. To mind your own what? business. Have you ever known someone who's on the job, like they're always talking about church or Jesus or Bible study or they're born again or whatever the thing is, then everyone knows they are the biggest gossip, the most untrustworthy person in in the place, right? And it's just like it totally undercuts the whole movement of Jesus. But notice what he says. He says, so mind your own business, work with your hands, kind of do your job as we told you, so that your daily life may win the what? The respect of outsiders. And so if you're gonna be a force for Jesus, if you're gonna be an influence, love God, love people on the job. It means just do your job well. And I tell you what, it, does, it builds a platform under your life from which it gives you authority to speak when the time is right. So is your work a witness? And then number four, the last question is, are you setting some limits? And, and this is for the rest of us in this room. Um, some of us here, the message for you today is that your work is important, is a core calling of a Christ follower. It's a way that you worship God. It's the way you love others. It's your primary place of growth. It's the way you influence others for his kingdom. And so uh, the message is, okay, let's embrace that. Let's step it up. Let's, let's hit the work this, this, this Monday or Sunday, whenever you go to work. Let's hit the work with a whole new attitude. We, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna work hard. It's going to be a new attitude. We're turning a new leaf because we understand it's what putting God first means. And so for a lot of us in this room, that's the message. But there's others in this room that it's the opposite message. There's others of us in this room that that, that the message for us is to really put God at the center. We have to remove our careers from the center. 
Okay? That, that the reality is for some of us in this room that our career, our work has, has become the center and everything revolves around our career. And so it's possible for work to become such a high priority in our life that it squeezes out other priorities. It's possible for our work to become more important than our family, more important than pursuing God, more important than serving in our ministry, more important than surrendering our finances. It becomes our God. And sometimes it's kind of for better reasons and sometimes worse reasons. For, for some of us in this room, it may just be that, that you just love what you do. You're passionate about it. You know, you're a computer programmer and you, you just work all night, every night. You're just so into it. You just love making that hum or whatever everything you just love your job and so it's not anything bad it's not anything bad it's just you love what you do and that's that's awesome that you have a job like like that for other people maybe it's not so noble in that way for others of us we're still trying to prove to our fathers that we're not a failure and so this is how we do it by succeeding on the job for others of us it's a competitive thing getting the corner office is the way we beat everyone else and we build up our ego and so it's this competitive drive you know for other people's our home life is a wreck and so work is how we escape uh, our, our, our kind of miserable marriage or our kids that we don't know what to do with. The work is the one thing I know what to do. I know how to do it well. And so, so we're going to go towards right. So there's a lot of different reasons why work can become and become the center of our life. But when we do, we are killing ourselves. Because if we stay on that track for very long, there's these other areas, your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your impact in the kingdom. These things that are truly important are, are going to get destroyed. And so for some of us, we need to learn to set some limits limits. And so, so for a lot of us here, you might say, that's not me. Uh, the other message was me. Good. Okay. But if this is you, then I'm saying that you need to be listening. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And what does it look like to set some limits? And honestly, I don't think this is that hard. I mean, it's hard in practice. But it's not hard in theory, at least. Uh, what you need to do is kind of practice this principle that we've talked about every week. And let's, let's see if we can remember it. If we want to put the first things first, we have to Put the first things first. Let's say it again. If you want to put the first things first, you have to put the first things first in two places, in your calendar and in your checkbook. Okay, every week we, we're going to hit that. So, uh, so if you're going to put the first things first, then what happens is that if you're wired this way to spend too much time and energy on the job, then what you need to do is you need to get out your calendar and you're going to put some of these other things we've identified as priorities. You're going to put them in your calendar first. So for example, you can say, when am I going to spend time alone with God each week? Are you going to put that in your calendar? You can say, when am I going to go to church? What, which service am I going to go to? We're going to put that in. We're going to say, uh, which small group am I going to be in? We're going to plug that in. We're going to say, uh, what ministry we're going to talk about next week? What's my ministry for the kingdom? Uh, direct ministry. I'm going to put that in. We're going to say, okay, what does it look like loving my family? What are those key dates and activities? And is it family dinners? We're going to plug, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to put it in. And after we put in that stuff, now we can run full speed on work. You see? Because what we've done is we've put some guardrails on our life. Like what we've done is we've said, I know I have a tendency to get off track in this area, so I'm going to put these guardrails on my life, these boundaries, and so as long as these things are plugged in first, now I have time, I can work hard, but there's some natural limiters there. Does that make sense? So if you're wired that way, it's the only way, because catch this, there will always be another client. There will always be another project. There will always be more emails to answer. 
This will not stop. And when you quit your job, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, next. And so when you're on your deathbed, you don't want, you don't have, you never hear anyone say in their deathbed, man, I wish I'd worked harder on the job. Now, what you hear them say is, wow, I wish I would have taken my relationship with God more seriously. I wish I would have loved my wife and family. Look what happened there. I wish I would have, have used my gifts to serve God's kids. Those are the kinds of things people say. No, no one says, I wish I'd spent more hours at work, right? And so there has to be some limits. There in your note sheet, great quote from Brian Dyson, who was the CEO of Coca-Cola. He says, imagine life as a game in which you're juggling some five balls in the air. You name them, work, family, health, friends, and spirit, and you're, and you're keeping all of these in the air. You'll understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. Now, let me say this. I, I think there are times when that's not true. I think there are times where you need to get that client, or you need to do this to get that job, or you have to make this plane trip. I, I get that. We've talked about this series, that putting God at the center means there are times when God will say, at this season of your life, this is your top focus right now. So we've talked about that, okay? But I think in general, he's right. And he says, but the other four balls, family, health, friends, spirit, or your spiritual life, they're made of glass. And if you drop one of these, they'll be irrevocably scuffed, marked, nicked, damaged, or even shattered. They will never be the same. You must understand and strive for balance in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for... Uh, we're just kind of opening up through your word this core calling of work and, and infusing it with tremendous meaning. That as Christ followers, our jobs are not a peripheral part of our lives, that they are a core part of loving you, pursuing you, worshiping you, loving others. It's a place for you to grow. That you've taken these jobs that once just seemed like a paycheck or something we've had to do, and through your word, you have infused them with new meaning and purpose, and you've restored to the, to the most part possible, this part of your, your return, you've restored your life to our work. And so we pray, God, that this week as we go out, that we would attack our jobs with a new passion, that we would serve as if to you, we would love people, we would pursue you, we would look at the hardships that, and the pain that are involved as an opportunity for growth, and that we would be a great witness for you so that so that this could be restored and others could come to know you through our influence on the job. And Father, we're just so thankful that as followers of Jesus that our lives don't get divorced into sections called secular and sacred, that all of our life is spiritual because you're at the center. You care just as much about our jobs as about our family or our ministry or anything else. We thank you that your call is that in everything we would put you first, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, whether it's our sleeping, whether it's our waking, it's our eating, it's in our drinking, that all will be done to the glory of God. And so God, we, we wanna worship you in everything. And today, God, as we bring our offering now, it's our way of saying we love you. It's um, one of those areas we wanna put first things first. You've provided these funds for us and the first bill we want to pay, the first gift we want to make is to you because you're the author and the source of all good things. We want to honor you in our finances. And so we bring it now as an offering to you, an offering of worship. 
as we celebrate and pray that you'd be the God of everything in our life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope you can be with us next week as we continue this journey. Uh, Next topic on the table is our personal ministry. And we're told in the Bible that God has chosen us to follow him as Christ followers before time. And that we were chosen uh, for a life of of what's called good works. A life that, um, that in Paul says, we're planned in advance before the beginning of time. And of course, those works take in all of our life, family and church and all those things. But one of the things they take in that's just so important is our area of ministry. So what we're told is that we become a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit supernaturally gifts us to do some things particularly well in his kingdom to help advance the, the clause. But like any team, it's important that each player plays their position, that we each discover our position, plays our position well so we can win, so the movement of Jesus can advance and grow and thrive and his name would be honored. And so next week, we're going to talk about discovering your purpose. We're going to talk about discovering the place, your position on the team, and then ask some questions about what we need to do to simplify our lives so we can focus in on those things that are truly most important, not be distracted with a million things we do, but here's what I do best, and here's how I need to focus in my service for his kingdom. So I hope you can join us for that. Until then, may... Uh, the God of your, your life be the God of your work and may he capture your heart and may you work as unto him and, uh, and through that transform your life and transform the life of others around you as you pursue him and love others through your jobs. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next weekend. Goodbye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.